0: the Lord, for Thy great plan, that we thy dwelling place may be.
1: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These Life Studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. It may seem strange to us today, but there was a time when the church was a new thing on the earth. Acts chapter 2 records the initiation of the church and the lives of the believers at the beginning of the church age. Stay with us today for an insightful view into the early life of the church, which may shed light on our own current practice of the church life, on this Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on all five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible. The fruit of his labor is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee, along with our own discussion. And today, here with us for that purpose once again is Ed Marks. Ed, welcome once again, and thanks for joining us. We're continuing to enjoy the riches in this book of Acts in a very fresh way,
2: Ed. Yes, Chris, it's a real privilege to be back again, and again, we will see how God in Christ as the Spirit moved through the apostles and the believers in the early church to bring in his kingdom and build up his living body, which will consummate the new Jerusalem as the fulfillment of his eternal purpose. Uh, This will be a very rich uh, life study message from the book of Acts today. Ed, we've talked a few times in the
1: life study of Acts that we've been into for oh, a little more than two weeks now. The book of Acts tends to be thought of as a book about miracles and great events, and the, the pattern or the uh, picture of the church life is most often overlooked in this book, isn't it?
2: Yes, yes it is. And really uh, what we see in the book of Acts is the believers practicing the church life. And when we say this, uh, we like to just say a little bit about what we mean by the church life. You know, many believers uh, mistakenly uh, talk about going to church. This is a wrong concept. The church is not a physical building. It is not a place that we go to. The church is what the believers are. The church is the body of Christ, and the believers in Christ are the members of the body of Christ. As believers in Christ, we need to have a church life. This church life means that day by day, we need to live and move in the body of Christ. Day by day, we need to participate in the fellowship of the body of Christ. The church is... Christ is our life, and the church is also our life, too. The church is the expression of Christ. So day by day, we need to be in the fellowship of the body of Christ. The church life isn't just something we practice on Sunday morning. Day by day, just like right now, Chris, you and I are fellowshipping with one another, and we're fellowshipping with our listeners through the radio waves. This is the church life we're having here. Church life is the fellowship of the body of Christ that we need to practice and enjoy day by day. This is what the early believers enjoyed in Acts. We will see that they lived and moved in the body of Christ by fellowshipping day by day in their homes with one another. This is the real church life that we need to practice.
1: And in Acts chapter 2, there's a marvelous picture and initiation that we really want to focus on today in our program. As we get into it, I'm going to read just a portion, Acts 2.42, this one short verse. It's a very good backdrop. And they continued steadfastly in the teaching and the fellowship of the apostles in the breaking of bread and the prayers. Let's join Witness Lee now. as We see how the first group of believers produced by the apostles' teaching continued Steadfastly in these four things, the teaching and fellowship of the apostles, the breaking of bread, and prayers. Here's Witness Lee.
0: This is really the beginning of the church life. The believers were continuing steadfastly in two things, in the teaching and in the fellowship of the apostles. These two things, both the teaching and the fellowship, were of the apostles. In other words, the apostles' teaching and the apostles' fellowship. You have to realize, actually, the New Testament doesn't have any teaching other than the teaching of the apostles. Any teaching that other than the apostles' teaching, that is not scriptural. That is not orthodox. The The so-called orthodox teaching is the teaching of the apostles from matthew to revelation all the 27 books teach us what can teach it the teaching of the apostles so in first timothy chapter one paul charged timothy to charge some teachers not to teach different that means to teach things different from the teaching of the apostles. You have to know today, among the Christians, a lot of teachings which are absolutely not the teaching of the apostles. Then that caused debate. How could we keep the one By teaching one thing. By having one unique teaching. If we have different teachings, surely, we have different growth, then we are divided. Then what teachings do we have? The teaching of the apostles.
1: Ed this is a very meaningful point for us to focus on. Comment on this point that these first century believers were not taught to follow the so-called Orthodox teachings of tradition or the creeds, but to follow the teaching of the Apostles.
2: Chris, we see the inception of the church life in Acts is a pattern for us to follow as New Testament believers today. It says they continued steadfastly in the teaching of the Apostles. Now, of course, they didn't have any traditions like we do today. They didn't have any creeds. What they had was the teaching that the Apostles taught This teaching is the entire New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, beginning with the incarnation of God and consummating with the New Jerusalem. The Bible, especially the New Testament, is the unique teaching of the apostles. This kept them in oneness. And the New Testament tells us there should be no other teaching. That's why in 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 4, Paul told Timothy to remain in Ephesus to charge certain ones there not to teach differently. Not to teach differently than what? In verse 4 of 1 Timothy 1, he talks about the teaching according to God's New Testament economy. The Greek word for economy is oikonomia. Now, when we think of economy, we think of something related to dollars and cents, But in the New Testament term, when Paul uses the Greek word oikonomia, this is composed of two words, oikos, which means house, and nomos, which means law. So God's economy is his household law or his household administration. It's his household plan. What he wants to do is to impart himself into his chosen and redeemed people so that he can be their life. And they're everything for the building up of the body of Christ. And this built-up body of Christ becomes the bride of Christ. This bride of Christ is the wife of Christ, and the wife of Christ is the new Jerusalem. This is the teaching of God's New Testament economy, which is the teaching of the apostles from Matthew to Revelation. This is the unique teaching which we should teach. This teaching keeps us in one accord.
1: And how about this New Testament teaching of the Apostles? Is it still available to us today?
2: Yes, it is still available to us today because we have the Bible in our hands. We have the teaching of the Apostles in our hands. You know, we need to realize that the entire New Testament from Matthew to Revelation is really the biography of a wonderful person. It's the biography of Christ. Even we could say the New Testament is the autobiography of Christ. Well, who wrote the New Testament? Well, we could say the apostles wrote the New Testament, but actually it was Christ as the spirit in them. We love this person. This person lives in us. He wants to live his life through us. And it's by our gaining this person, our gaining Christ, our being found in Christ, our being filled with Christ, that the body of Christ is built up. So when you look At the entire New Testament, the Gospels show us Christ in the stage of incarnation, how he accomplished redemption for us, for the forgiveness of sins. Then when we come to the epistles, beginning with the book of Acts and ending with Jude, we see the resurrected Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 45b tells us that in resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit. In resurrection, Christ is the pneuma. What does that mean? He's the Spirit. He breathed himself into us, and now he is in us as the living Spirit, working in us and through us for the building up of his body and for the building up of the churches. This is Christ in the stage of the 22 books from Acts through Jude. Then when we come to the book of Revelation, in Revelation um, 4-5 and in Revelation 5-6, these verses talk about the seven spirits of God. Even Revelation 5, 6 says that Christ as the Lamb has seven eyes. And these seven eyes are the seven spirits of God. These are not seven different spirits. They're the unique one spirit which has been intensified sevenfold. So we can say this is Christ in the stage of intensification. What he is doing and what he is after is he is after a group of overcomers. He wants some overcoming believers who will overcome the degradation of this age and the degradation of the church and just be normal, functioning believers in the living body of Christ to build up the body of Christ and come back to his original intention in the New Testament so that he can prepare his bride and so that he can return
1: and then if this teaching is that critical to us how can we identify practically what is the real teaching of the apostles
2: the way we can identify what the real teaching of the apostles is there is a subjective way we can identify this if we look at second corinthians 11 2 through 3 paul said that his ministry and he ministered the teaching of the apostles was to espouse the believers as a chaste virgin to Christ, their husband. What it does is it stirs up our love for the Lord as our husband. If we are genuinely teaching the teaching of the apostles, which focuses on the person of Christ, it should stir up people to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Our teaching should always unveil this wonderful Christ.
1: What a marvelous test. Ed, let's go back to Witness Lee. We've looked at the teaching of the Apostles. We have more of these four items ahead.
0: And then following this teaching, there is another thing unique. That is uniquely of the apostles. That is the fellowship. We all have to realize we Christians today on this earth should only have one fellowship. This one fellowship. And this is the fellowship of the apostles. And this fellowship is mentioned in First John chapter 1, which is the fellowship the apostles had with the father and with the son. So this is the unique fellowship. But today, among some Christians, there are different fellowships. Some Christians, I heard and saw, whenever they had the communion, An announcement went out saying we are going to have our communion, anyone that has not been baptized by us, please go away. Don't participate in our communion. So you see their own fellowship? Is that fellowship of the apostles? The fellowship of the apostles must be so open and so public that can take all kinds of believers whether they are immersed or they are sprinkled whether they are immersed by you by your baptism and by your water and by your pastor or not as long as they are baptized that's okay today how to determine a group? As a sect or not, we need to be We have to accept all kind of beliefs.
1: Ed, we've seen quite a lot today regarding the apostles' teaching. Now, in this section, we've come to another closely related matter: the apostles' fellowship. How do we differentiate between these two,
2: Chris? What we need to see is that. Any teaching produces fellowship. If my teaching doesn't cover the whole scope of the apostles' teaching related to the wonderful person of Christ, the fellowship that's produced from my teaching will be a very narrow sectarian fellowship. This is why we need to realize that we need to teach the entire teaching of the apostles from Matthew to Revelation, speaking of the wonderful person of Christ from the incarnation of God all the way to the new Jerusalem. You know, one thing about the apostles' teaching, if we teach this, it will produce genuine fellowship that includes all the believers. In 1 John 1, 2, and 3, uh John talks about the fellowship of the apostles, and he he says that his burden is to teach these things that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. When John, as an apostle, when he taught the teaching of the apostles, which is the unique teaching of God's economy concerning the marvelous person of Christ— Uh, what that did is this brought the believers into fellowship with the Father and with his Son. In other words, it brings them into the unique fellowship of the triune God. And Chris, actually what this fellowship is, there's a marvelous picture of this in Revelation 22.1 where we see the throne of God and of the Lamb and the river of water of life proceeding out of that throne. Actually, that flowing river is the fellowship of the believers. The fellowship is actually the flow of the divine life within all the believers. Again, I would like to say there is only one fellowship. This is the fellowship of the apostles. This is also the unique fellowship of the body of Christ. If we're in this fellowship we will receive all the genuine believers in Christ. It won't matter about our doctrinal difference or our differences in practice. The point is this. If we believe in Christ, if we receive Christ as our Savior, we have him living in us as our life. And when we come together, we we need to participate in this Christ. We need to enjoy this Christ together, and we need to fellowship about the person of Christ together. Then his life will flow in us and among us, and that is the unique fellowship of the apostles in the New Testament. Ed,
1: you made a very poignant comment. The fellowship of the apostles and the teaching of the apostles is the fellowship and teaching of the entire revelation, God's entire divine revelation. Much of the division, much of the strife that exists between believers today can really be traced back to focusing on just one particular element or item and stressing that above everything else.
2: Exactly, Chris. And and we can use as an example baptism by immersion. Of course, baptism by immersion is scriptural. We believe this and we practice this. But if we make that our basis of fellowshipping with other believers, then we just include those believers who believe in baptism by immersion. And even though we believe this is scriptural, that is not our basis for receiving other believers. Our basis for receiving other believers is, do you have Christ as life living in you? To have you receive Christ as your life and your Savior, that makes you a believer. That is our basis for fellowship. We need to concentrate on the person of Christ. If we concentrate on any persons, matters, or things other than this wonderful person, this causes division and sectarianism.
1: Ed, we want to return to Witness Lee for a very short section dealing with the nature and characteristics of the church life that emerged in Acts 2. Following the outpouring of the Spirit. Here's Witness Lee.
0: Then we go on. Fair came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. All the believers were gathered and had all things common, selling their possessions and distributing them according to the need. I tell you, this practice was a strong proof of the dynamic salvation of God. The dynamic salvation of God was so powerful you see that caused them to forget about the earthly possessions. But this was not a kind of formal practice. And it neither became a formal practice in the church. Earth, because in the epistles the teaching was not according to this. Then day by day the believers continuing with one accord in the temple. They were just one in temple. And preaching bread from house to house. You read carefully. Their preaching of bread was not in temple but in the houses from house to house. And they were in temple just a kind of testimony. They took food with exaltation, full of joy and simplicity, so simple, so sincere, and so pure of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added together those who were being saved from day to day. No doubt, the Lord added the sixth one together, and the togetherness was the church. The togetherness was the church. So you can see in these stories the first church life. Ed Witnessley
1: points out that the early believers met in the temple and from house to house. Their meeting in the temple was according to their tradition and habit. But the second way they met, from house to house, was fitting to God's New Testament economy. This fitting way seems to be marked with exaltation of joy and simplicity of heart. What makes the house to house meetings of the believers so fitting to the New Testament revelation?
2: Chris, in the Old Testament, the way the believers met was they had to go to a physical place, the temple. But in the New Testament, The Lord says in 1 Corinthians 3 through the Apostle Paul that we are the temple. The believers in Christ are the temple. Now the church, which is the body of Christ, of which we are living members, is now the temple of the living God, the house of God. In John 4, the Lord tells us that to worship God is not a matter of going to a certain place we have to worship him in spirit and in reality. And then in Matthew 18 20, the Lord tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. So we can see this matter of house to house is very fitting of God's New Testament economy. And another point I would like to mention we pointed out that God's New Testament economy is his household administration to dispense himself into his chosen and redeemed people for the building up of the body of Christ. Well, when we meet together in our homes, this is very fitting. Just like now, Chris, it's just you and I. As we fellowship with one another, you can dispense Christ into me in a very intimate, personal, and particular way. And I can do the same with you. This meeting in the homes is absolutely marvelous. And, you know, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, we can see that when we meet together in our homes in an intimate way, what happens in these verses can take place. This says, let us consider one another so as to incite one another to love and good works. When you're in my home, when there's just two or three of us or a small group of us, we can consider one another. We can realize where we are, what we need, and we can fellowship the particular Christ that can meet one another's need. We can incite one another to love the Lord. We can incite one another to serve the Lord. So these two verses are very marvelous. And this is not abandoning our own assembling together. Well, if we look in the New Testament, the way the believers mainly met was they met in their homes. When we meet in our homes, this brings Christ into our house. This brings Christ into our daily life. This makes Christ real to us, not just on the Lord's Day, not just on a particular day of the week, but this makes Christ real to us in our daily life for the practice of the church life. This is what makes Christ real to us in our daily experience. So I would just like to encourage all the listeners, we need to open our homes and have believers in our homes for fellowship week by week. This will be a real benefit to our family life, to our daily life, but ultimately the fellowship in our homes will bring in the genuine Building up of the body of Christ so that God can reach His goal. Ed, it seems
1: uh, that our homes are much like a garden, and it's incredible how easily they get a little weedy. Things pop in and creep in, and all of the family and the activities. And, you know, we're so close to it, many times we don't see. I can testify from our experience in our home that to have the saints in on a regular basis is a wonderful factor it sanctifies our home it cleans up the garden it brings god
2: in and his presence it does chris and i can still remember after i got saved i was invited to some of the brothers and sisters homes and i was so touched here we are we're eating together we're fellowshipping about christ we're singing hymns we're praying it was like i entered into a new culture and when i left that house i told the brother who brought me there I said, Brother, I felt like I was in the book of Acts again. So this should be our normal experience. Have brothers and sisters in Christ in your home for fellowship. You will enjoy the Lord in a wonderful way, and the body of Christ will be built up in a practical way.
1: Ed, we are completely out of time. I'd like to stay here and linger on this matter for many more hours, even if we could. But uh, the time is gone. Let me just briefly thank you and invite you back again very soon.
2: Well, Chris, I'm looking forward to coming back. I love the book of Acts very much.
1: And so do I. Today for Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening.
2: Dear Lord, we give ourselves to
0: Thee. Receive us into Thy wise
1: hands. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.